0: We are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message.
1: I want to dive into part number two of Neighborhood Hope Dealers, and uh, what we're talking about in this series is the church. Someone say the church. The church, church, which is you and I. You and I are the church, and we are called and commissioned by God in his word, we see it all through the scriptures, to be Neighborhood Hope Dealers. We're called to do something with the hope that we have found. Come on now. You mean first service is going to be louder than y'all? Y'all slept in and had three cups of coffee? We're called to express, to give the hope that we have found in Jesus Christ. Because the radically rescued, rescue radically. When you've been rescued, come on now, you want to do something to help someone else get rescued. Right? And so each of us, all of us, every one of us here make up what is called Fuel Church. And what is the church? Simply put, it's the expression of God's love here on earth. We are the church. We are the literal hands and feet of Jesus. You and I are the little hands and feet of Jesus, right? Some of us just got bigger feet. Come on now. And so we're called to express this hope, and Jesus desires to use us to get his message of hope out to our community, our state, and the world. And in this series, you're going to hear um, the heart of fuel and what I'm praying for, what I'm believing for as a church from this moment on. I believe this series is a a life-changing, defining series for our church. I truly believe that, that everything from now on shifts for our church, and, um, and so We, we, you're going to hear about why we exist and uh, what we desire to continue to do and become as Fuel Church in our community, reaching out with the message of hope. Someone say hope. hope. Look at your neighbor and say, you that hope dealer. So last week, we looked at the first thing that I'm praying for God to fill this place with. Do you remember what it was? We're praying for God to fill this place with broken people. I'm reminded of that message because as I walk, my feet are very sticky. If you don't know what we're talking about, ask somebody after. We're praying that God would fill this house. This house. The story says that Jesus sent out the invitations. And he sent his servants out to go find people. And he says, find the good and uh, bad, regardless, and fill my house. Jesus' desire is that his house will be filled. His desire is not for one chair to be empty, but the reality is every week we have chairs empty, but his desire is for us to fill this house, and so we looked at we, we're praying for God to fill this house with broken people. Now, I want to go to the second thing we're praying for God to do. And let me read our text scripture today. It's found in Matthew chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, we've got Bibles provided for you. It says this, Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Let's pause right there. Jesus sent his 12 what? Come on now, audience participation. Work with me. 12 what? Harvest hands. Go ahead and hold your hands out real quick. Say, these hands hands are harvest hands. hands. Harvest hands. 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 Now, let me explain to you uh, what harvest is. Uh, For those who are unclear, and let me kind of unfold this text on the meaning of Jesus saying that he's sending out harvest hands. Harvest is a gathering of things planted. The harvest is a gathering of things planted, and we would think of it like this, a seed, maybe an apple seed, a, a seed of corn, a seed of wheat is planted that after a certain time of growth, the farmer must go out and get the harvest. Notice the harvest doesn't just show up in his silos, doesn't just show up in the grocery stores, but the farmer must intentionally go out at a certain time and get the harvest, Someone say, get the harvest. harvest. So planting is very important. Planting is very important. Watering the seed is very important. And going to get the harvest is just as important. Because there are times when the harvest will rot in the fields if you don't get it at a certain time. Come on, are you with me so far? Now Jesus is talking about a different kind of harvest, but same concept. He's talking about how the souls of humanity are like a harvest, and they are ready to be reaped or brought in, and that he needs help in bringing in the harvest. Jesus needs our help to bring in the harvest of souls, to bring in the harvest of the hurting, the broken, and the lost, so that they can find peace, love, and joy in the presence of God. Let's continue reading. So he says, I need... 12 harvest hands. I need you 12. Come on. I'm sending you out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. You don't have to go to the mission field to find broken people. Now you can and we're for that. But you can go right in your street. He says don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. But go to who? The lost lost and what? Confused. Confused people right here in the what? Right here in the what? Right here in the hood. Right here. Your hood. My hood. Right there. Broken people are everywhere. The truth is there are more broken people than there is whole people. Sitting in here today, sitting in houses, sitting in the grocery store, going out to eat, there are more broken people than there are whole people. He said, go find them in the neighborhood and do this. Tell them the kingdom is here. Tell them the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Tell them that I'm still healing people. I'm in the business of healing sick bodies. Raise the dead. Come on now. We got power to raise some dead marriages. Come on. Some dead finances. Come on. I can't get no help in here today. He said touch the what? Untouchables. Untouchables. I love that. Touch the untouchables. The people nobody want to touch or embrace or hug. We were at a park yesterday with my family and I and some other people from Fuel. That was our assignment yesterday. And we were handing out popsicles, water, cleaning up trash, and talking to people about Jesus, praying with people. It was awesome. And there was this homeless man in the shelter as we were preparing everything, the, the little shelter where the picnic tables were. And, and uh, we started conversating with him. And he was the untouchable. He didn't smell like us, he smelt like alcohol. He didn't look like us. His clothes were all dirty. He had a little dog that was all dirty, and he had a little bag with some food in it. And we made sure he got food, water, and plenty of popsicles. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but I was thinking about this message, and, you know, we conversated with him. And there was about 12 or 13 of us, and he wanted to talk to all of us. It was just a matter of, are we going to listen to him? He just wanted somebody to listen to him so he could share his story because people walk by him every day, and they don't listen to him. People walk by him every day and they don't, they act like he's invisible. Yeah. They don't want to touch him. They don't want to conversate with him. They don't want to show him any love because he's different than them. His brokenness is different than your brokenness living in the 3,000 square foot home. Yeah. I can't get, yeah, let's go back to the notes. But he was the untouchable. Jesus said, touch the untouchables. Kick out demons. You know, how we have power over demons demonic spirits you have been treated look at this what does it say generously so what jesus said i've been so good to you i've been so good i I went first i said i'm gonna show you what generous generosity is i'm gonna go first i'm gonna send my son i'm gonna bankrupt heaven my only son i only got one i'm gonna send him to a cross to pay for your sins i'm gonna go first So now that you have been treated generously, now Jesus says, I want you to live generously. Live generously. The second thing I'm praying for God to fill this house with, I'm praying that God would fill this house with love people. Love people. I'm praying, number one, that God would fill this house with broken people. Number two, I'm praying that God would fill, fuel church, this house with love people
2: check this out
0: I was once told a story by a close friend of mine who said that after a long night of drinking on a Saturday night he woke up Sunday morning and decided for the first time in his life he wanted to go to church he got in his car, he drove, found the closest church he could, and walked into the back door of the service and sat down in the church pew. He said he didn't know what to expect that day, but he felt like he would at least leave there feeling like a better person, feeling a little bit of joy, feeling a little bit of love. Instead, he left there downtrodden. Instead, he left there crushed because of the judgmental looks and attitudes that came his way that day. He said, you know what, man, I think they smelled the alcohol on me. I don't think they like that. He told me that no matter what happens to him in this life, no matter where he goes or what he does, he will never go and sit on a church pew again. Because you know what? He felt more loved, he felt more accepted, and he felt more joy on a bar stool than he did in a church pew. You see, a lot of people who sit in these church pews haven't taken the time to open up the Bible that they beat over top of other people's heads. Because if they did open up that Bible, they would see a Jesus Christ that lived completely different than they do now. They would see a Jesus Christ who came into this world and hung out with drunkards, who hung out with prostitutes, who hung out with tax collectors. They would see a Jesus Christ who said, I come not to save the self-righteous, those who think they have it figured out, those religious people who sit on their high horse and act like they are better than everyone else. No, I came to save those who are in need of a physician. I came to save sinners because I love sinners. We are supposed to mirror Jesus Christ as followers of Him. And in doing so, we are supposed to show love to the rest of the world. Jesus Christ said, they will know you by your love. He didn't say they'll know you by your judgmental looks, by your judgmental attitudes, by this thought process that you are enlightened and they aren't. They will not know you by your hatred. They will not know you by your condescending looks towards them or the Bible beating over their heads. He never said any of that stuff. He said they will know you by your love. Where's the love? You see, our generation can be different. Our generation can set a new standard. Our generation can say that whether we sit in a church pew or whether we sit on a bar stool, we're going to treat each other with love and respect. We don't have to make the same mistakes that those people who came before us made. No, we do not. We can show each other love, because at the end of the day we are all in need of love. The love of Jesus Christ came here and died for sinners. And you know where the sinners are at? The sinners are on the bar stool. The sinners are on the church pew. We are all sinners. And we are all in need of the love of Jesus Christ. There has to come a time where we stop seeing each other by the places that we sit and we start seeing each other for the people we are. Because after all, we're just people. People in need of love.
1: I'm asking God to fill this house with love, people. Broken people and love people. I'm asking God to fill this house with hurting people and people who want to do something about the hurting. Not just sit there comfortable in their Christianity knowing that their ticket is punched to heaven, but they declare, I was once lost, now I'm found. I was once broken, but the great fixer-upper put me back together. So now I want to help somebody. Fill this house with love people. Here's the thing. Loving a broken person is one of the hardest and bravest things you could ever go through. It's a series of battles that will change you forever. Loving a broken person requires rivers of patience and oceans of love. Loving a broken person means walking through the darkest tunnels of life with them. Loving a broken person is dedication... Endurance and it is time. If you're going to help broken people, then you're going to have to be willing to give generously. So, I want to give you two things in our time together that we all have the ability to give generously in order to reach broken people. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is time. Someone say, time. We all have time. We all have the same amount of time, right? And love gives and its currency is called time. Love gives and its currency is time. I know it's so so much easier to just attend church and come every week and go back home. But the truth is, you're not here for you anymore. And for some of you, you've already been through that season where you came to know God. You have that personal relationship. You found freedom from your past baggage, your hurts, hang-ups, and habits. You've discovered your purpose. Now it's time to make a difference. There's a season where you sit under that word and you, you get your healing and you get your deliverance and your breakthroughs, right? And then there's a season where it's time to help someone else. And we're, we're all for that process here. We, we, we want you to find your freedom. We want everybody to find their freedom because every one of us have past baggage, past hurts, hang-ups, and habits. But there comes a place where you say, man, I, I, I'm whole now. Now I need to help someone else know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. It's time for me to invest And you see, when you start to serve on a team, you're doing it unto God for the purpose of helping broken people. You're not serving this church. You're not serving me. You're not doing it unto man. You're serving God for the purpose of helping broken people. That should be your priority to help broken people. That should be your motivation to help hurting broken people. I know what some of you are probably thinking, well, I think you just need people, so that's why you're always talking about it. No, actually, we don't need you serving. You need us to serve. Because here's the reason why. It's in serving that you discover your purpose. It's in serving that you, try, you find the greatest fulfillment in making a difference in someone else's life. So you need the church. You, you need to serve because it's going to do something inside of you. You know how you felt yesterday? You know how you felt when you were given just an hour, two hours? Some of you, most of the day, building things and repairing things for people, more extensive projects. I've seen you on Facebook. That fulfillment that you have, that's what God wants you to live in all the time. God, fill this house with loved people who are willing to give of their time I don't have any more time to give preacher. I am just so 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 busy here's the thing I've learned about people who always update us every five seconds on Facebook that they're so busy God bless you, but I don't care that you're cat farted I don't need to know. Every meal you ate, God bless you.
2: Here's the thing I've learned about people that always got to tell others that they're so busy. Um, they're really not
1: that busy. Um, if you want to find someone busy, if you want to get a job done, find someone who doesn't talk about their busy, busyness, but you know that they're a hard worker and they're a hustler, they'll get it done. Why? Because you always put a priority on what you make time for. You always put a priority on what you value. <laughs> I'm busy. I can't come to church. I'm busy. I'm busy. And, 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 and we always use that excuse, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to put a priority on eating lunch today. I value that. It's going to happen. It's going down. Chipotle. Guac. I know it's extra. Leave me alone. Why? Because I put a value on eating. We put more value in eating and feeding our spiritual body than we do feeding our, uh, our physical body rather than we do feeding our spiritual body and helping the hurting and helping the broken. God, fill this place with loved people who are willing to give up their time, who are willing to give up their time to make people a priority in their life. See, when you live for broken people, when we become a church that says we want God to fill this place with broken people, it, it becomes very inconvenient. Very inconvenient. And, and, and so if you're going to say, God, I, I want to be used to help broken people to fill this. God, I want to I be one of those loved people that you're talking about today. You better get ready to be inconvenient for God. Inside and outside of the church. You better be Ready? Because because it's it's not convenient. You better be ready when you go to Walmart and the Holy Spirit says, hey, you know them. You know what they're going through. Go ahead and take some time and pray for them, even though you got this scheduled after this. Wow. You better be willing to pick up the phone call, even though you know it's at least 60 minutes I'm on this phone. <laughs> you you know it's minimum 60 minutes. And you're busy trying to clean your house, trying to do this and do that and go shopping and go out to you, you better be ready to be inconvenience. You better be ready when the text message comes and they say, hey, man, I'm hurting. Can you talk with me? You better be ready because you already opened the text and they see the bubbles. They know you've seen it. Don't try to lie. Act like, oh, hey, bro, I didn't see your text message the other day. You lying. You don't want to be inconvenienced to pour into somebody else who's broken. You better be ready at work better be ready when you know that man, that woman has gone through a hard time in life. They're struggling with someone who's addicted in their house. Or they went through a divorce. And I know your breaks are limited. And I know you need to eat your turkey cheese sandwich with mayo and pickle. Barbecue chips on the side. Diet Coke. Come on. I know you got that. But you better be ready when the Holy Spirit says, hey, take five minutes and pray over them. Time. Love gives and its currency is time. I think we get so busy in this modern day because there's always opportunities to do so much. I mean, we overschedule ourselves. We have no margins. Parents, we have no margins. Our kids are in 2,500 sports. It's like, how many sports games are we gonna play? Serious? Like, seriously. I know little Johnny's like close to being like LeBron James, who just lost, by the way. Where's Ben at? I need to let Ben know that LeBron lost. <laughs> and, I, and I know you have a future and you think they're the next LeBron, but probably not. And I'm for sports, don't get me wrong. But we get in all these sports, travel sports, and all this stuff, and it takes us away from spiritual matters. And, I, I, and I, let me get back to my notes. <laughs> you, you, you're not, okay. We gotta ask ourselves am I a consumer or am I a contributor? Am I a consumer when I come to church? Am I am I still here six months, a year later, still consuming? Or am I giving of my time to help broken people? Huh? Am I just enjoying it, church is for me and my family, and I want to make sure they're taken care of, or am I a contributor saying, you know what, I'm going to give back so someone else's marriage can be impacted like mine was, so someone else's kids can hear the message of Jesus in kids' class. Am I going to be a consumer or a contributor? Come on now. And my prayer is that God would weed out all consumers and spectators here. This is not, we're not up here to put on a show for you. This is not about a show. This is not a game. My prayer is is that God would weed out every consumer and every spectator who just came here to sit and watch and be entertained. And my prayer is that God's people would rise up to be the hands and feet he's called them to be and to be the love people that give time. We're here to be a contributor to help the hurting, to roll up our sleeves and say, we're here to do whatever we can to help. Let's refuse, church. Let's refuse to let this rescue mission that Jesus has us on turn into a yacht club. Refuse it. He sent us on a rescue mission. He didn't call us to wear our polos. Don't get under condemnation if you have a polo on. He didn't call us to look all cute and pretty just for ourselves. He didn't call us to say, well, you know, the air needs to be a certain degrees and, you know, we it's a little hot in here and the music. No, he didn't call us for that. He called us. He called us on a rescue mission. And can I just tell you, it gets messy and dirty when you're rescuing people. It doesn't always go the way you think it should go. It inconveniences you when you're dealing with broken, messy people. And you're gonna get cut and it's gonna hurt sometimes when you're picking up the pieces of broken people. Hmm? God, send us the hurting and send us those willing to help the hurting. Because love gives and its currency is time. It's time. It's time. We don't need people looking for something to happen. We need people at church that says we're not looking for something to happen. We're ready to make something happen in our city. We're ready to turn around this epidemic of overdoses in our city. We're ready to to be a voice of hope to our community. I wish somebody in this community would let the mayor know and the officials know that they need to donate some land for for Joey Bennett so he can build the Valley of Grace. It's been two years and nobody stepped up. I'm asking somebody to step up and give him that land so he can build a faith-based recovery home to help with the overdoses and the opioid crisis in our community. Somebody step up and do something. Joey is one of our local outreach missions that we support. Your giving supports him. He's raising money now. He's been doing it for two years. I told him last week on the phone, we talk often. We send people down to Mississippi. He's sponsoring people to get down there. There's people out of this church that are there right now because of your giving. They're there right now getting rehabilitated because of your giving. Can't talk about everything we're doing. Listen, listen. And I talked to him. I said, what's up? Where are you at? He goes, I can't find land. I said, you mean to tell me the city owns all this land, all these abandoned buildings, all these millionaires, all these real estate people. You mean to tell me no one's donating you a building or land so you can help with the biggest epidemic this city has ever seen? I said, no, not on my watch. I'm going to start, I'm gonna start uh, honking the horn, buddy. That's what I told him. You know, on your bike when you got that little horn. I'm going to start honking it. I'm going to start letting the city know, and you need to let them know, somebody needs to give up some land and some money so we can help this city. I'm tired of reading about the overdoses. You're tired of seeing it in your force. You're tired of giving people Narcon again and again and again and again. Let's do something about it. I'm fired up. I told you I'm fired up. Let's do something. Let's give our time to help people. You can do it inside the church and outside the church. It doesn't have to be in this church. Let's give our time. Some of you gave your time for Serve Together. You gave up your time. We need people who are willing to be contributors and not consumers because consumers want to be served. They think everyone owes them something. They think, how can I benefit from others? You're not coming to church to strike up some business deal. You're coming here to serve somebody else. Check your mode is at the door. Why are you here? This is a strong word today, but I got to preach it. And I love you whether you come back or not. You know I love you. Consumers are all about their personal preference. Well, I don't like the new color of the church. Why'd they do that? Well, I don't like the lights. don't like skinny jeans. Rips on them on stage. Don't like it. I don't like the hairdos I see and the outfits I see. Church is not about you. Quit making it all about you and make it about others for once in your life. Come on. Come on, church. See, I've learned this when it comes to serving and giving time in God's house. I've seen this, that it's, it's hard to appreciate the value of something you aren't fully invested in. It's, it's hard to appreciate this house. It's hard to appreciate the stories that are coming out of this house. The lives that are being changed. and Put value on this house if you're not fully involved in it. You're not fully investing into it with your time. Someone say time. God, fill this house with love, people. So if we're going to see God fill this house with broken people, we're going to see God fill this house with love, people. That not only does it require time, but it also requires the second thing, and that's our treasure. Someone say, my treasure. treasure. Now, don't get off the train, because I said treasure. Stay on. We're going somewhere. Why do we need to give our resources? Well, because the Bible says that God established a principle in his word. And he said, bring the whole tithe into my house so that there may be food for many. Do you know that every single week you're being served spiritual food? Your kids are being served spiritual food right now. You know, every single week throughout the week, we're serving spiritual food to people. We're helping counsel people. We're helping uh, walk with people through them finding their freedom. Spiritual food. How many many of you come in here and you get spiritually fed every week? Through the worship. Spiritual food. Through the word. Spiritual food. And so that's why God said, hey, hey. I'm establishing this principle so that there can be spiritual food in my house, okay? So so that there can be spiritual food. What that means is because of your generosity, someone say my generosity, we're able to do things to help fill this house with broken people. We're able to do things outside of these four walls to help our city and our community to help broken people find hope whether it's through promotional pieces whether it's through the little invite cards we get for you to hand out facebook ads all this cost all right it all costs our outreaches that we're doing miami county fair serve together we were able to support that financially whether it's our kids and our students and them hearing the word of god in a in a in an environment that is attracting to them all all, all of this cost whether it's student summer camp investing into that you know our third service when we launched it all our bills went up it cost we have nine eight eight ac units we just fixed half of them a few months ago we repaired them had to buy parts when we went to the parts store we're like we're fuel church and they go that'll be x amount of money i thought they were going to bless us they didn't they never do the maintenance of the building, right? All this stuff, updating old equipment. There are so many things, and I don't want to get into all the details. But here's the thing. If you want to help broken people, you're going to have to give. You're going to have to give. I mean, I think about last week's baptism service. If you've never been to a baptism service, please come next time. My Lord, it's a highlight for me to hear these stories of life change. Life change. To hear these people get in the tank and share what they've been through and how God has delivered them and set them free and given them a new life and a new start on life. There's nothing like hearing these stories. And we had 11 baptisms last week. The place was full. We had our largest attendance of the year last Sunday. Besides Easter, our largest non-holiday attendance. Almost a 1,000 people, just shy of a 1,000 people came last Sunday. And there were these stories, and I was thinking about these stories, and it brought tears to my eyes because I'm like, man, what if someone said, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to give. I'm going to allow someone else to do it. You know, it was a bigger church. There's a lot of people coming. Now, let someone else do the giving. I wonder if those stories would have been a reality. Because the truth is, the reason those stories are a reality is because someone gave financially to help us get the message of hope and grace out to them. But What if someone says, I'm just going to let others do that? Would there be these life-changing stories of redemption if people didn't provide spiritual food for this house? God has blessed you. God has increased you. And some of you, it's the hardest thing to do. But you're going to find this when you step out and do it one time. It'll become the easiest thing in your life to do, to honor God with just 10%. And say, God, I want spiritual food to be in that house. It helped my marriage. It helped my kids. It helped restore my mind. The worship ministers to me. The word ministers. And I want to provide spiritual food to help someone else's life change story become a reality. I think about how many more Nathans there are out there. How many more Jessicas. How many more Jasons. Stories of pretty much an atheist not believing in God his whole life and now he come to know God I think about the abuse and the stories of childhood that, that, that people are still hurting from I, I think about they're out there they're out there and, 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 and we can't afford not to reach them we can't afford to say man we'll let it, someone else do the giving here's the truth here's the truth here and I'm, I'm being very real with you 20% of you that come here actually give any amount of money. So what that means is 8 out of 10 or 2 out of 10 rather. 2 out of 10 people. 2 out of 10 people actually give and do all the serving. And look what we're doing with 20%. Look how many people we're reaching with 20%. Look how many lives are being changed with 20% of the people. But think about how much more we could do if you stepped up, well, I only make 200 a week. It's not about how much you make. That's why God made it 10%. So it's equal for everybody. It's just 10%. Whether you make 300 a week or a 3000 a week, it's 10%. He said, bring it back to my house. So there'll be spiritual food because I need to reach people with hope. And if you love me, come on now, bring it back. If you've been loved, bring it back. If you've been helped, Bring it back. If you've been broken and put back together, bring it back to my house. This is a rescue mission, not a yacht club. You don't pay your dues and get all the benefits. No, this is a rescue mission, and the rescue mission costs money. I don't talk about money a lot, a few times a year, that's it. But I'm just telling you, man, you're robbing yourself. You really are. Thursday we talked about it. You're robbing yourself of the blessings. Of being in covenant with God with this principle that he established. Not a preacher, not a church. God established it. What you say today, God? Today I'm going to start being a financial contributor. I'm going to stop looking for something to happen. And I'm going to start making something happen for someone who's hurting. Maybe a single mom who's about to walk through the doors. Maybe a broken marriage. Maybe an addict who needs help finding that path of freedom. Maybe a teenager who's lost their way. Maybe a child who will hear of Jesus at the age of six or seven and will carry that relationship with him for the rest of their life because of the kids' ministry here provided them with spiritual food and in an environment that was attracting to their age. Hmm? God, God, I want to start being a financial contributor. I'm going to stop looking and I'm going to start making something happen. Take the little that I have and use it for your kingdom. Use it for your house so that there may be spiritual food. I'm going to make that investment because I know it's worth it, God, because you invested into me and somebody gave so I could sit in this chair. And somebody gave so I could hear the hope of the gospel. And somebody gave so I could be baptized. And somebody gave so my kids could be taught the word. Now I'm going to give back so another family can hear the word. Another family can be encouraged That somebody who's out in our community can be lifted up because of my giving. Giving does a lot of things, but one of the most powerful things it does is it refreshes you. You see, you never know the joy of giving until you step out and do it. You never know the refreshing from God. Look at this scripture, Proverbs 11.25. The generous will what? Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The generous. Are you generous with your time and your treasure? Yes, inside this house, but outside of this house. Like when you feel that prompting to pay for somebody's gas, do you do it? When you feel that prompting to pay for that coffee, do you do it? Because he'll, he'll, he'll speak it to you. He'll speak it to you. When you feel that prompting to help somebody who's struggling, fine, do you do it? The generous will prosper. I don't know if you've had enough prosperity in your life. Maybe you're just like, I'm done. I don't need any more. But I'm not. Because there's more churches to build. There's more people to reach. Come on now. And it takes finances to do it. Yeah. Those who refresh others will themselves. Some of you are not happy because you're not generous. You're stingy. You grew up being stingy. You were taught to keep everything that you get, never give it away, keep it for us for, and no more. And now you're all older in life, and you're still stingy, and you're not refreshed, and you don't have the joy of the Lord, because you only get refreshed when you give to others. When you take that money, God said, I'm giving you the 100%. I'm giving it to you. The 90% of your income, do whatever, but 10% is mine. Bring it back to my house. And he said, it's a test. It's a test. It's a test. So where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God, I, I got my heart's in your house. I, I'm love people.
2: God, you're filling this house with love people today. Bow your head. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life is throwing you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional, and and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved, and I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision, but just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life change me in Jesus name it's simple as that and I encourage you find a good local church if if you can get to Fuel Church get here God is moving God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time God bless you have a great week